What is happening, people? Welcome back to episode 11 of the Park Lane podcast with myself, Luke, and my co-host here every week. Never lets us down. Winnie, <laughs> you mate. Oh, it's uh, it's good to be here again, mate. You know, it's just uh, we've got. I think we, I think we might. I, I think we might have on the horizon uh, a more positive pod this week. But we will see. We will see what happens, mate. I tell you what, like looking how the week could have gone and how it went, <laughs> it would be rude not to be positive on this week. We, we, we do need to today. We need we need just positivity. And for me, Mister Mister Pessimistic, I'm going to try and be as positive as possible today. Perfect. I'm glad. Eleven episodes in, and uh, <laughs> finally, I'll rubbing finally up on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Dave is not here this week. Uh, he's a little bit busy, but hopefully, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, before we get into it, obviously. You know, usual things we've got to do. If you're new to the channel and you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like button and don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening on any kind of podcast plat- plat- platform, platform, then <laughs> don't forget to hit the follow, give us a five-star review, and uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, big up to Kev from LSE Day Trippers. I was on their show last night, so if you haven't watched that video, make sure you go into their channel, smash the like button, and also subscribe to them as well. Uh, he's a good morning, guys. Smash that like button. That's what we like to see, isn't it, Winnie? Yes, please do. Do exactly what he says. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. So, now we've got all that boring stuff out of the way, all the admin done, let's crack on with another frantic week at Spurs. So, wow. I know. Do you know what? In this month of October, right? Well, it's obviously not anymore, but during no. the month of October, it was a very busy month, right? And it's going to be busy until pretty much, I don't know, January, February time. But, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to, like, cast your mind all the way back to a week, isn't it? And think about all the football that Spurs have played and kind of try and dissect it. But I think we'll spend quite a bit of time today on the Liverpool preview. Yes. There's a lot of questions that I want to talk about with you. But let's cast our mind all the way back to away at Bournemouth last weekend. We sat here last we, week. We, we, say, we say all the way back and it literally was a week ago. Like, I know, <laughs> that's yeah. how much has happened. <laughs> we sat here... And we were optimistic that this was going to be the turnaround for Spurs. This was going to yeah. ignite Spurs' season. <laughs> and after 46 minutes of 2-0 down against Bournemouth. Oh, mate. It, it's, do you know what? Like, I, this, I, 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 am, I am pessimistic, but there's always a part of me. It, like, there's a part inside of me that thinks, do you know what? Like, it's okay. We, we, we'll turn it around. And I've always, I've always thought that was Spurs because we always seem to be that team that can... And has the ability to turn things around. It's just how far we let it go before we do that. So this was the first week. So last Saturday um, was the first time when I've literally sat there and I've gone, "This, this is it. No, this is this is Tottenham now. We've gone out. We've gone down the pan. We need to get used to it. We need to get used to these absolute dog shit performances." Um, and like I say, it's the first time in my head where I've actually I'd kind of come to terms with it. Um, and then, of course, lo and behold, what happened kind of uh, went against, well, I went with my thoughts, you know, like, like we we're going to turn it back around. But so I was interested. I was texting my dad at the time um, and I, I always speak to him, whether I'm at football with him or whether whether we're playing and I'm texting him or on the phone to him. Um, and he is very much like um, pessimistic also. So he messaged me and said, 2-1. We're gonna win this, and I was like, "Yeah, all right, all right, then, Dad. Yeah, fair enough." But what can I say? He was he was right, and I'm glad he was. 
Mate, he was right. And do you know what? It's funny you said that because usually um, I turn my I don't have my phone on, right? Because we usually text during the games, but usually I don't turn it off, but like I have it in my pocket because, you know, obviously running this show, uh, our part of podcast Twitter account, we have obviously like notifications for Spurs in case anything happens and whatnot. So, so we know all about it. And uh, so I usually don't have my phone in front of me because otherwise Spurs tweet it before I've seen it. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, so... At two nil down, I was like, "Right, stop this!" and just got my phone out because what's the worst that can happen, right? <laughs> so I had every single goal ruined for me. And what was worse for that was I was on a Twitter DM with one of my good friends who lives in Dubai, Ben. He's a Liverpool fan, and he was messaging me, and uh, he was like, "Oh, don't worry, you boys are going to win. Like you'll come back. Like I can see it happening." And I was like, "Well, two nil down, like fifty odd minutes on the clock. Like, there's no chance. There's like no chance. Like I, I appreciate it. Everyone knows I'm an optimist, right? But he was right, and uh, every single goal got ruined. Uh, so I couldn't even really celebrate any of them. Because... I, I, every week I try to ruin it for you, but it seems that someone gets in before me, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. There's like this vendetta of people just ready to ruin. <laughs> like, but um, yeah, it's we crazy. just like ruining your fun. That's what we like doing. Yeah, it was crazy. Like. Um, you know, to uh, do you know what? I'll give Holly a quick shout out first, and then we'll kind of go into it in more detail. So, morning to Holly, and uh, you know, for those of you that are watching, if you want to join in today's show, you can. If you've never been on a show before and you want to join in, let us know in the comments. We'll uh, or DM us on Twitter, and we'll ping you the link to the show. Um, so, <laughs> let's talk about that, right? Because Spurs are bad, right? Let's not like bullshit anyone right Spurs yeah. are bad at some points during a game Spurs yes. are incredible at other points during a game it's just that for some reason the players or the management team or whoever it is can't seem to get it where we decide to play an actual game of football for 90 minutes we either play for 45 or 25 or 30 like why we've been asking this for weeks why is it like this well I do you know what I think well I'm going to put the 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 because like the Bournemouth performance was particularly was, was bad in that in that first half. That was bad, bad. Now I'm talking about some of the defending, but with Spurs in particular, because our squad is our squad is like I, I the way I see Tottenham, we've got a very very good first eleven when all fit, um, and our bench is is average at best. Like we 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 have we have depth in terms of you know we've we've got people to choose from. But the quality of those choices are pretty shit. So I think what our problem was against Bournemouth, and rightfully so, because we needed to change things, is we made six changes to that game. Now, I don't think any team can get away with making six changes, unless you're Man City, when you're bringing in a world-class 11 again. If you're making six changes in a game, you're going to suffer. So, I mean, I've only got to look at our back three of, was it, was it, was it Longley... Um, Sanchez and Davis, I think. Yeah. Wow, that is bad. That is really bad. Like as a back three, that is terrible. And I mean, I've only got, I've only, I've only got to pinpoint their first goal. The defended on that was was atrocious, and I mean it was for the second goal as well. But I mean, what was Davinson Sanchez doing? I've defended him because I, I think there's a player in there. I really do because I, he, he's shown it when he was at Ajax. It's the reason why we brought him from Ajax, but. He just looks lost. And I mean, I, I get he was trying to intercept the ball, but when the ball's going behind you, just get something in the way of it. Do you know what I, mean? I don't know what he was doing, but... He was caught, wasn't he? Because like it was either he goes towards the ball 
yeah, I get it. I get it. past him, or he goes towards the man, and the player who's got the ball has a free run at goal. But what I think there is, if you just stand up and don't commit, when that when that ball comes in, you can react left or right in front of you or behind you. So, and I think that's the thing with people like that. But like I say, I think we made we made too many changes to be able to expect us to play well. That was the problem. Yeah. So I get you. I get you. Right. But. You didn't really answer my question as why we're so bad all of the time. Like yeah. it's not just um, Bournemouth when we make six changes. It's not just I, you know certain games where you know because we have injuries. Like we've been like this since day one in the season. Yeah, yeah, we had a full yeah, fit. Get, yeah. Like starting I think 11, this is, like... look. This is this is just Conte. This is Conte. It, it frustrates the hell out of me, and it's a talking point that the media love it because it's a talking point. We you know after the the um, the Champions League game. Um, which we'll talk about, obviously. They were saying, why do Spurs play like this? Why do they wait for them to, you know, go behind to react and stuff like that? And I, it's a, the media, like I said, the media love it because it's such a huge talking point for them. Why we do it and why we continue to do it? I, I, no, I don't. I don't. I do not have a clue. I do not have a clue. Why don't we start like that from the start and go ahead in games and then try and protect the lead? Because I, I get Conte's philosophy of remaining solid and then you know catching them on the break or or or, or trying to catch them on the break etc but surely if you have something something to protect like a one nil lead surely yeah. you're going to be more like concentrated on it because if it's nil nil and you're trying to defend a nil nil it almost seems pointless and maybe in the back of their head they're thinking you know we're, we're protecting but what are we protecting so i don't see why, yeah. why we don't go for it Go what? Because we, we're capable. If we was to start from the off and press, we're quite capable of going one 0 up in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, 100%. easily, easily. So I don't get, and you know, it's it's a talking point. I'm sure we'll, we'll ask you what you think about it. But for me, I think I don't know why we don't do it. But what, yeah, so what I, do you think? So I've got an analogy, right? And it, okay. and it references to. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just reading Wes's comment. So, uh, where's it said, Luke? Can the Moussa Dembele fan club join? Well, <laughs> they can indeed, my friend. Um, so, give me two sex words and I'll ping you the link on Twitter. But let me get this out of the way first and then you can talk and I can do that because I can't do things and talk at the same time. Anyway, um, so it references back to Antonio Conte's wild comments uh, pre. Oh, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, when he said that Spurs were conserving energy until after yeah. the World Cup, right? <laughs> and this is what it references to, because it seems to me like, not all games, but some games, the first half is all about just containing, allowing teams to have the ball, allowing them to you know, spend energy to um, you know, really try and attack Spurs. Yeah. And then it leaves us fully fit and fully um, energised for the second half to be able to exploit teams in those areas. Okay. The problem happens, which happens 99% with Spurs, is we don't do that and we concede <laughs> at least one. And then at yeah. that point, the other teams either defend than do exactly what we've just done for the first half, but in the second yeah, half... Exactly. You know, or we don't ever kick into that second gear. So that's my kind of analogy on it. That um, you know, that it's all about being able to kind of exploit teams late on in games, 
mm-hmm. and you know exploit frailties based on the fact that they've had to exert a lot of energy in the first half trying to break us down. That's my thoughts. I don't know what you think it's, about that. It, it obviously works. I mean, because how many how many stoppage time winners have we got this this season? We've had so many compared to how we, how many we've had previous seasons. So what what you know it is obviously working. But I, like I say, I think we just need to get used to it. What I will say is um, I think in Conte's defence, so this is Conte's philosophy. He is trying to, to you know, stamp this philosophy on the football club. So it's not what we're used to. We're used to entertaining attacking football. We may lose a game, but at least, you know, we'll probably lose a game 5-4. That's the old Tottenham. This is a new Tottenham now. Um, so I think... The problem is we have to look at Conte now and he hasn't had, I don't I don't think he has the players to implement his style of play and, and to affect his style of play. So his style of play is, you know, like you say, containing the ball at the back, keeping the ball or, or it should be keeping the ball. Most times it doesn't seem to be like that. But I think that and I think that's down to having people, you know, no disrespect of anything has been good this season. But people like Eric Dyer and people like that and Ben Davis, I think what Conte likes to do, and you can see it, when we get a goal kick, the centre-back split either side inside the six-yard box. So we've got two options to go for. He picks the one option. Let's say it's Eric Dyer. He will then ping it out to the full-back. We'll either come back and we'll wait for a gap to open. Now, I don't think we have the players to, to fully commit to his style of play. And I think that's the problem. So I'm hoping... You know, I say I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to wish this season away because you know there's still a lot to play for. But I'm hoping by next season we'll have some new additions. Even by January, I know it's a difficult window, but I think that's what it comes down to. In his defence, is we don't have. And there's no point waiting for him to get the players that he wants to get in and then try and implement his style of play because we've wasted all that time. We might as well try and put his stamp on the philosophy now, and then when he gets the players to to exploit like the philosophy, then it works then. But I think that's what I'll say on that. But it's it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, but it, it is what it is. You're on mute, mate. <laughs> Wes, hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing, mate? You're not working? Uh, I have got a impromptu kind of day off, but in my line of work, it's never a day off. It's either I'm out coaching or I'm doing admin. Um, so I've got a bit of an admin day today. Um, so this is your yeah. admin. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got I'm a bit ahead, so I thought actually, and then I saw uh, the Twitter post, and I was like, oh, because I'm a bit ahead, I thought I'd treat myself and come and say hello. Amazing, love it. Amazing. So Wes, do you want to jump on that question? Like, if you didn't hear, like, what are your thoughts on the fact of how slow we start in games, and you know, why do we always do it? You know. Why do they suddenly allow the shackles to come off at Spurs, and and what's the kind of reason? I, do you think? Do you know what it like? I've obviously I go to games quite a lot, and it feels like we take our sweet time to almost just get into games and get a feel for the opponent, um, and then all of a sudden we end up with this dross and there's probably no other better way to to describe it because it is awful at times, and it's almost like we're waiting for the opposition to do something before we then react off the back of it. It feels like the team is very reactive as a team. Yeah, we have a coach and a manager on board who is very, it seems, proactive at times. 
because I don't think, you know, I think if we look at the United game as a, um, as an isolated game in itself, how he's waiting that long to make any sort of changes, I don't know. Um, but then having said that, if you look at the Bournemouth game, he was very proactive in terms of making subs pretty quick. Um, but I have all, I have said a, uh, a couple of times that I think Conte gets so annoyed sometimes um, with how we're playing that he almost forgets he's got a, he's got a bench that can potentially change it. And actually, if you look at the attacking areas with the injuries that we've had, I think he's looking around going, you know, I don't necessarily trust these guys to get me out of jail. Um, and that is a little bit of a worry. Um, I think when we're at full strength, no issues at all. But obviously, when we do pick up an injury or two, it's a little bit like, actually, can I trust these guys? Not wholeheartedly. And I think um, that might have something to do with the fact that when we when he is trying to change it or not trying to change it, um, that we don't see him making these changes fairly early. But yeah, I think it's it's really annoying because you know you see how we play against Marseille and Bournemouth and you know stuff like that, and you go, why don't you just start like that? Like, what is actually holding you guys back? Um, so yeah, it is a bit annoying and it is a bit frustrating. But it kind of I don't know if it's that mentality thing of same old Tottenham like doing everything the hard way and, you know, making sure that we are trying to be secure first. Um, I don't know if it's the Tottenham mentality or an Italian thing where actually, you know, you're in the game, no need to worry too much, hit 70 minutes, turn turn it on um, and then get the job done. Um, but yeah, it, it is really, really frustrating. Uh, and I, I am pulling my hair out a lot this season, put it that way. And I'm going to come back to you for another question quickly. Do, <laughs> Go for um, it. Conte's inability to change game in game, right? Okay. So at yeah. some points during this season, yeah. not always, but at some points. Yeah. Is that a deliberate thing? Is he doing that to kind of send a message and to say the game's gone? Like, I don't have the players to do this. I'm going to bring mm-hmm. on five, you know, players, you know, the likes of Doherty, maybe Davidson Sanchez, Oli Skip at some points when we're losing in a game, like substitutions that won't impact an attacking you know, phase of play in the game or even bring us back into the game. I, you know, I use the Arsenal game maybe as a, as a prime example or even Manchester yeah. United. Is it to say game's done? Like I don't have the players to be able to do it. I think I think that Arsenal one, um, I was unfortunately at the Emirates um, and it was definitely a case of damage limitation let's keep it down to three because Arsenal could have seriously wiped the floor with us that day as as bad as we were and it pains me to say it because I hate that lot because I am Tottenham of course but you know as as painful as it is they were they were really good and it was almost every single attack they looked like they were going to score so I just think in that particular game Conte just went you know what let's try and keep it down to three um try not to damage the goal difference um too much um, because, you know, that could come into play and be very, very handy come the end of the season. Um, so I think, yeah, that one in particular was damage limitation. I think United game, I think actually, yeah, we probably got battered, um, probably apart from the first 10, 15 minutes where we had a couple of moments. Um, but other than that, I think that was about it. United have just absolutely murdered us. Um, and then obviously they get that second goal late and it's a bit like, well, the game's gone now, so... Yeah, let's just kind of keep the score down if he knows that the game's gone, as opposed to, you know, trying to get back into the game and then making it potentially a bit worse. No, that's that's fair enough. Uh, Winnie, do you kind of reiterate 
those points in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Conte said it uh, in, in, in press conferences before where he said, I'm not the type of manager or uh, that, that coaches a team that gets battered, you know, four, five, six nil. It just doesn't happen. So I totally get it. Like, like where I said, you know, Arsenal looked like they could have scored every single time they went forward. And, and as a club, we, you know, especially against them, we don't want that to happen because that would have been a talking point for a long, long time. And Conte knows that. Um, yeah, United were just, were, they were just really, really good. I said that on our, on our pod post-United game anyway. They were very, very good. Um, and I don't think there was much we could have done to, to stop them. I think, you know, teams have good games and unfortunately they, they executed their plan perfectly. But yeah, I think... And, and I think Eric Dyer and I think Hoybier said it as well. Um, you know, if you if you if you're gonna if you're gonna play that way, you, or if you can't win, just make sure you don't get beat. Um, and I, you know that's why we try. I think that's why we see us holding on to it's nil nil. We're not going for it. Maybe we don't want to take that risk. And like I say, I think we want to just hold on to what we've got, even if it is only a draw. I think that's just that is just the Conte philosophy. Yeah, it's not very exciting for us, though, is it? No, no, it's not. But, uh, you know, if it brings a trophy, will I complain? No, I won't. No, exactly, exactly. Um, right, Wes, if you're OK to stay for a few more minutes, then uh, I want to talk Go Champions League. And uh, I know, exactly, I want to switch it up. Let's do it. Switch it up and talk Champions League because I was texting Winnie during the game and, you know, we were sending pictures of the league table, of uh, the league table, the yeah, Champions League group table changing <laughs> Every five minutes, at one point, Sporting were going through with Marseille. At one point, Spurs were going through with Sporting. You know, and then come the end of the game, it was looking like Frankfurt were going to top the group and Spurs are going to come second until uh, Hoiberg rifles in a shot in the last minute and uh, and we win the group. Like, let's go kind of go back to that first half, right? Because we look at it as Spurs fans and we see three, four. Arsenal, ex-Arsenal players in the squad mm -hmm. and you look at it and you think this is just going to be another one of those days in which every Arsenal fan comes out from underneath their rock, supports <laughs> players in which they ousted out of their club and exiled from their club yet they bring them back and put them under their wing um, you know, for another game because it's against Spurs, Wes. And uh, that first half was probably one of the worst first halves of football I've ever seen. Especially under Conte. Um, I'm not going to say that is a one-off. I would like to think it is. But, um, yeah, I was at the Bournemouth game and that was pretty dross. <laughs> that was pretty dire. So, um, yeah, honestly, I mean, I was going through that particular game with the caretaker at the school that I work at because he's a gooner. Um, so he walked in and then I just said, hello, um, I'll like the next day. So, yeah, I was going through it um, with him. And genuinely, you know, the cliche, you can't make three passes. I don't even think we could make one. It was genuinely that bad. We were awful. Um, and I don't, I think, you know, Kane has come out and said afterwards that um, Larice, um, Ryan Mason, and is it Stellini, the assistant coach, um, yeah. kind of all took the all took the team talk. A few words said, um, and then we get the second half like we do. And it was almost like, wow, like they've definitely had a rocket. Um, and I know for a fact that I wouldn't want to be on the end of one under Conte. So um, despite the fact there's probably three, and then I would also imagine Kane, Dyer to a certain degree as well, having a few words in that changing room and going, look, lads, this is not good enough. <clears throat> like we need to sort it out. Um, but yeah, that first half was, I think every Spurs fan was literally just going, what, what is this? This is going to be a very, very long night. Um, and especially when they scored, um, as well, I think we were all sort of fearing the worst at that point um, because of the way they played. They got the crowd 
onside very, very quickly. And I think our job effectively was to quieten them down um, and just not give them anything. Um, I don't know if we actually played for the draw um, in that first half. And then it was like, right, we haven't got anything to lose. We might as well just go for it. If we pick up a goal, fabulous. We know we're through. Um, but then obviously to nick it and win it late was was just even better and even sweeter. Yeah, I'm going to let Winnie talk about this to start with um, because I know that you'll need a couple of minutes to discuss this, Wes. But uh, I want to talk about kind of releasing um, Rodrigo Bentoncourt, Winnie, uh, in the second half because he seemed to just be allowed to... I don't know. He seemed like someone put a rocket up his ass. Do you know what I mean? Like Because I tell you what, yeah. I've never seen the guy run so fast in my life. Mate. What I mean, you know, I don't need I don't need to talk about my admiration for this guy because he is phenomenal. I, I, I I'll be <coughs> honest, I knew he was a baller. I didn't know he was this good. I really didn't. And like, you know, for an a- absolute steal what we picked him up for. But yeah, like at one point, I remember towards the end of the game, he was like down holding his hamstring, and we're all thinking this is just another one to add to the to the injury list, and then two minutes later, he's chasing someone down to the corner flag just to, to try and like try and block a clearance. And I'm thinking, what is going on? But yeah, I mean, it's just it's, again, it's just like the first half. It just seemed that I, I, I like I think what what you said was I think we was playing for the draw. I think that that was that was quite obvious because we were getting the ball, we were getting the ball back in defence. You know, we were we were tackling whoever was going forward, and our first thought was to just clear it straight up into their half. And then and then you know and then get back into into our packs of four four or whatever formation we was playing at that moment. And I think we was definitely playing for the draw. But yeah, Benton Court, I mean, he was just he was literally like a little like a little Jack Russell. He was everywhere. And I mean, man of the match once again. I think he's got man of the match for the past couple of games, to be honest. So officially, but um, for me, definitely as well. He he, he just it, I literally I'm lost for words for, for for how to describe him anymore because he. He's, the superlatives are not there because he's doing it every single week. Literally. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And where's that kind of little um, little shimmy that he does with the ball inside the penalty area just to kind of create a bit of space and uh, try and set somebody up? I, that was one of my favourite favourite moments from him. He's, he's, he is the reason that we are playing <laughs> on Wednesdays, as the song goes. The Uruguayan Musa Dembele, um, as I have said on numerous occasions, he is just unbelievable. I love Rodrigo Bentancourt. He is literally the player we all thought Tongi and Dombele was going to be um, in terms of his ability, his calmness on the ball. Um, I look back and I think probably his best performance, I would say, in terms of a full 90 in a Spurs shirt with City away last season. Because you think of the way City were going at that time, they were destroying everybody in sight. And when you know that you're not going to have much possession, you need somebody in midfield to take the ball in tight situations because you know City are going to be on you at every given opportunity and he did that consistently throughout that game Um, and just the way he takes the ball like I say receives in tight spaces turns and he's got that composure and calmness to play majority of the time the right ball at the right time Um, and yeah I just think 15 million pounds of the Queen's finest has been spent unbelievably well for a change um, at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club because, mate, if you've ever got any other flops going, please send them our way because <laughs> not only Kulisevsky as well, but Bentoncourt has just absolutely transformed everything um, within our midfield. His relationship with Hoiberg is 
crucial as well. Um, and I genuinely think that if one isn't playing, the other one seriously misses them next alongside them. Um, you know, I look at West Ham away early on in the season. That was uh, that was one game in particular where we missed Benton Core one hundred percent. Hoiberg and Basuma just occupied the same spaces, and we just couldn't get out. Um, but yeah, what a guy, what a man. The only downside I have about him though is the winner at Bournemouth. He goes the opposite side to the away end, and it was absolute carnage in that away end. It's just like no, just just come over this way, win the away end, lap it all up. But no, he goes to the other side of the ground where nobody can really see him. The thing is, I think sometimes it must be really difficult for footballers to actually know where the away end is. But I think at Bournemouth, it's it's relatively straightforward. I mean, the ground's absolutely tiny, so just have a little look round and go, "Oh, we're over there, right?" Okay, Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I'm I'm with Winnie. Really, the 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 words are just not there to to say anything more about about the Uruguay Musa Dembele. And uh, lastly, before. Before we move on to Liverpool, because we've got Kev from LFC Daytrip has waited in the wings. Um, but um, I want to talk about last minute of the game. Okay. Mm. Hoiberg is running through. Brian Hill is to his left, from what I can remember. And there's a defender kind of in the middle. I don't know about you boys, but I was screaming for him to lay the ball off. I was screaming for him to just lay the ball off. And it's uh, it's an easy finish for, for Brian Hill. But I tell you what, he proved me wrong. And he absolutely leathered it into the far corner. And uh, I've never seen him strike a ball as good in my life, I wouldn't say. I think it was absolutely incredible. But, Winnie, what were your kind of thoughts in the last minute? You know, people will say, oh, you know, well done for cheering, winning against Marseille and all this other bullshit that happens, right? But to to get, you know, where Spurs are playing and how they're playing, to sit third in the Premier League, to sit top of a Champions League group, to be in the knockout stages, is uh, definitely a good achievement, isn't it? Hundred percent, and you know, my, my thought—if I'm honest—my thoughts on the on the, the very last kick of the of the Marseille game, I thought Harry Kane's pass, to be honest, what it needed to be a bit more in front of Hoybier. I think it took him a bit too far wide. I mean, he had so much to aim for; he needed to just slip it in that space. But you know, what he did after that was was phenomenal. And obviously, he's he's got that in his locker. I didn't know he had that kind of strike. I mean, as far as strikes go, I think there was one against Liverpool, maybe last season or yeah. season before, where where he hit it nice and sweet. So. He's obviously got that in him, but yeah, I I, I thought he was going to square it to, to Brian, but you know he obviously knew that he had it in his locker. But going back to what you said um, a, a minute ago, yeah, we're literally we're third in the league. This is this is this is Tottenham Hotspur. Bear in mind, you know we're not we're not previously we have been at the top of the at the top of the league, but we used to like lingering round about fifth and sixth and then making a push. So we are third in the league and we are through to the knockouts of the Champions League now. If, if that's what it takes playing playing shit, then do you know what? Let's continue to do it. It may not be it may not be great on the eye, but do you know what? For where we're sitting, I, I don't think anyone can say anything against it, other than oh, you know, boring, boring Tottenham. Yeah, fair enough. But the league does not lie. It's as simple as that. It may not be it may not be pretty football, but it is effective. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. Wes, what are your thoughts? Kind of last kick of the game. <laughs> I'm I'm saying corner flag it to be honest. Um, just corner flag. Oh, there's it. your coaching the job, head on, isn't the it? The job <laughs> is done. Like in-game management, manage the game. Just run to the corner flag. But um, yeah, I think I was a bit like you when I was actually thinking Kane's pass. I'm thinking, oh no, he's taking him too wide. So that was yeah. even more of a reason for him to you know go to the corner flag. But I think that goal 
is, I mean, the strike itself is is absolutely brilliant. But I think in terms of the actual goal itself, it's a really, really important goal. When you look at some of the teams that we have now avoided in yeah. the next round of the Champions League, um, obviously we won't be playing the likes of Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or anything like that. Um, I think the only couple of teams I think that we've got to potentially fear is perhaps PSG. That's the one you yeah. really want to avoid because I don't think any Spurs fan wants to see Messi, Neymar and Mbappe up against Emerson Royale. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I think maybe Dortmund as well, although I think Dortmund are a little bit inconsistent. Um, yeah. So I think, but I think that will be a, a really good game. But I think, again, it's one that you would ideally want to avoid um, if you can help it. But um, yeah, like I say, I'm, I was screaming for Hoiberg to just corner flag it um, <laughs> and for us literally just to get through at that stage. But the fact is, he's put one in the top corner and um, yeah, sent us top of the group was, uh, was even better. Yeah, definitely. Especially after seeing, you know, nothing sweeter than a Hoiberg last minute goal, but uh, what kind of maybe does top that is a Kolasinac. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. you know, miss to, uh, to mean that we don't even get knocked out. So uh, yeah, look, it's a good time. Look, as you say, Winnie, like Spurs aren't playing amazing football, no. uh, but you know, we are still getting the job done. And that kind of like as a nice segue into tomorrow's game, which is why I'll bring in Kev from LFC Dangerous. Kev, how you doing, mate? A bit bedhead at the minute still, but <laughs> long night after after we wrapped up last night, it was just like another three hours and oh. too much FIFA, not enough sleep, my own fault. <laughs> Amazing. No, Amazing. Point, no point, no point in crying about it. We're up, no, man. mate, I tell you what, big, big up to you, because I was straight in bed as soon as we finished last night. So, uh... Uh, look, no, it was a good show last night. Really enjoyed it. Um, looking forward to tomorrow. Not looking forward to today, though. Three o'clocks, nothing. Yeah. And 5.30, Everton, Leicester. Today's a definite day to go and start your Christmas shopping early. <laughs> yeah, take the missus <laughs> out. Take the missus out today and say, look, I'll take care of you today. We'll go out for lunch. She'd be like... Yeah, but normally Saturdays you're doing this and you're doing that. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is all about you. Leave you <laughs> tomorrow. Be great. Exactly, exactly. Get uh, get loads of brownie points for exactly. Uh, build them up. Tomorrow's build them up for what's to come. Yeah, what a terrible game, Winnie. That is at, at five thirty. That's like probably like terrible football FC, isn't it? Leicester I literally, I literally looked. I looked at before we came on here. I thought uh, I looked at a quick look at on live score, and I thought, what are the fixtures today? There's bounce. Normally, you know, the the early or the late one is normally a good fixture. And I looked and I was like, what is it? What am I going to do with myself today? What are these things? I mean, after the I'm probably supposed to sit down and watch one of them. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably less inclined to because it doesn't look yeah. like a good game of football. But like we say, tomorrow is the day, so... I'm going to be looking for the Bundesliga to hopefully uh, throw up some entertainment at some point during the day. <laughs> uh, so it's all about South Shields versus Forest Green in the FA Cup. Early <laughs> kickoff. Forest Early Green, kick OK. <laughs> Not far from my hometown, Forest Green. Uh, the old Gloucestershire, they call it, when it's yeah. Forest Green versus Cheltenham. Yeah, because I, anyway, uh, I was living in Bristol for a long time, and Forest Green Rovers was a go-to pre-season game for Bristol City. So. That was it. <laughs> nice. Uh, excellent. Right, so let's turn our, our thoughts then, boys. Wes, I'll come to you first uh, on Liverpool on Sunday. You know, it's always uh, always a tough game. It's always tricky against Liverpool. You know, the quality that Liverpool have within their team, quality of their manager. You know, there's a lot of uh, superlatives you can use for, for Liverpool. But, you know, this season they are they are struggling. You know, I think Kev said to me last night they haven't won an away game this season. 
Is that right, Kev? Yeah, that's right. We and, haven't won uh, away in the league. Yeah, and then uh, bring on Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, <laughs> this this screams Doctor Tottenham, doesn't it? it does, um, yeah. you know, Liverpool haven't won away in the league all year. Little bit inconsistent with their form. Yeah, screams Doctor Tottenham is paying them a visit. Um, I think they've got about ten players out as well. So yeah, we are definitely definitely uh, due um, a Doctor Tottenham kind of visit. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of Liverpool this season, I just think. You know, and I, I said this to a mate of mine a couple of years ago, actually. I said, look, the age profile of your team and your squad is actually a little bit concerning. Um, and I think this year, more than most, I think they're just getting found out a little bit um, because, you know, they are in that those sort of prime years of 29 to sort of 31, 32. And it's can you sustain that high level, that high intensity of football for that long? Um, and I don't know if... The, I wouldn't say the players have checked out on Klopp, um, but it just feels like the players just physically aren't as able. I don't know if the World Cup is also playing a bit of a bit of a part in it in the fact that the, the players are potentially not playing to their maximum because they don't want to burn themselves out or get an injury before the World Cup. Um, you know, if I look at somebody like Van Dijk, it's his first World Cup, I believe, um, yeah. you know, at the age of 30. So, you know, is he actually going to be able and available to play in the next one? Um, who knows? But yeah, it... it something doesn't quite seem relatively right at, at Liverpool at the moment. I don't know if they have now hit that point where almost we did with Pochettino in the sense that the 1-11 to is absolutely fantastic. Um, but then actually, is there someone to come in and refresh it that is better than what is already there? And I know, like, obviously, we had that with, with Poch. Um, and you, we argued that probably no at that time. Um, I don't know if Liverpool have now hit that point with with Klopp. Yeah, our problem in the summer really was... I mean, we spent bones of £100 million in the summer between Darwin Nunes, um, Carvalho and Calvin Ramsey. But the volume of football that we played last year and the intensity of the football that it was played at, bear in mind the two cup finals that we won, both went to extra time and penalties. Chasing down Man City to with 90 plus points and the Champions League final. It it definitely carries weight. And the problem we had coming into the summer was we could see clearly that the midfield needed at least one signing, maybe two. And the first, I think it was the first or second preseason game, Oxford Chamberlain pulled out with a bad, a bad injury. And he's only just come back, I think, in the last few weeks. But that was three months out. I'm convinced he was out the door. Uh, he had a, he's a year left in his contract. He's on big money. Now he would he would have more than more than likely been sold, but you can't sell a player who's injured. Yeah. Then to com combine that with Naby being injured, getting injured as well, then you're to what you'd call twenty five to thirty year old centre mids who you expect to come in and carry the load a bit for the others are gone. Then you're left relying on the 19-year-old Harvey Elliott. Curtis Jones was out injured as well. So you're you're left down to the likes of Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, and James Milner. To so it's four, it was always it was four into three. And then you start the season. And I listened to Antonio Conte's press conference yesterday, and I listened to Klopp's press conference yesterday. And both of them mirrored each other when they talked about the volume of football being played this year and the intensity that it's been played at. It's ridiculous. They talk about player welfare. It's a joke. It's a headline. 
it they don't give a shit about players. They they they're just meat and the product and push them out, sell tickets, push them out, sell TV. That's all they care about. And then you see the injuries piling up. You see, I mean, Son was unfortunate because it was an impact injury, but you're seeing it at Spurs now. The the amount of muscle injuries players are getting that ordinarily in this time at this time of the season just don't happen. And your squad numbers then are capped at 24, 25. So I think at one stage, I can't remember it was last week, it was the Leeds game, I think. We put out a good 11, we dominated the game, and we lost on a counter-attack, free, you know, a, a good goal, fair enough. But I looked at the bench, and the option, we had three credible subs that we could bring on. You have Jota out in long-term injury, Diaz out in long-term injury, both muscle injuries, you know, both largely due to volume of football. It takes a toll. Now, our form in the league is nowhere near where we want it to be. Our form in the Champions League, bar being schooled by Napoli away. And they were, they're probably the only side this season to absolutely school us. To They tore us a new one. They were brilliant on the night, ripped us apart, and we were lucky to get out of there 4-1. I think we've won five of our last six, scored 10 in our last two away games. But for whatever reason, it's not for a lack of creating chances. We're creating chances galore. Can't finish them. Couldn't finish them. And it wasn't for the want of trying. We've got in good positions, couldn't finish them. The league form is a, is an issue. Now, going into this game for us, we're looking at, we, the way we have to look at it is we're 10 points behind Spurs. If we win, seven points is gettable. If we lose, 13 points, mountain. Absolute mountain. And then we're depending on Spurs finding a cliff and then jumping off it without a parachute. And I don't see it. I don't see it in this Conte side. Because the one thing, I can't stand Conte. can't stand his football. I think he's, he's anti-football. Don't like it. Never liked it. Never liked it at any club he's ever played at. He's effective. He's so good at what he does. It's When he did it at Chelsea, when he did it at Juve, and what he's doing at Spurs, he bought in the summer to consolidate top four. It wasn't a big summer. It was a summer of volume for Spurs. They bought for the to consolidate top four. They don't want to be in a race into the last week of the season trying to get into the top four. It's like we're going to bank off top four. We'll go along in Europe. We'll get in good money, and we'll go again. That's how you. That's the right way to do it. The problem is years gone by. You'd look at thirteen points before Christmas. You, yeah, but it's Spurs, and they'll do something stupid, and we'll catch them. Not this time. This time we're not as consistent as we need to be. And Spurs are harder to beat than they usually are. So he's instilled that belief in the system that no matter who he changes within the system, players believe in what they're doing, in what they're doing in the defensive side. Going forward, it's a different kettle of fish because the transitions take longer to get to where he wants. And that takes that's better quality from the wing backs. He needs better quality wing backs to transition better into how he wants to play. But <laughs> this game for Liverpool is huge. For Spurs, it to me it looks like just don't lose. You've had a, a tough, a tough away game midweek, and I don't care what anyone says. You're going away in any in the Champions League to any ground, hostile, not hostile. When there's something on it, it matters, and it it mentally and physically takes it out of you. The good thing that it was on Tuesday, 
and there's a good rest between the two between the two games. But Spurs, to me, this this weekend is don't lose. Get a point. Win, great. Happy days. Delighted. Don't lose. Don't lose. Maintain the gap. Because we were saying last night, this season, I think more than any other season, the games between the traditional top six could determine Champions League spots. You know, because I don't see sides aren't like dropping silly points this season. They're dropping points against each other. Yeah. And that could matter towards the end of the season. But this Sunday is huge. It's huge for us. And we're lucky in a way that we ha- our core 11 is fine. Or we have one or two subs that will be okay to be to bring on that could affect the game. But we're at bare bones levels now. You know, it, yeah. We have too many players coming back from injury that aren't, like you guys got have it with Kulisevsky, they they might be available. They're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're nowhere near. Kulisevsky's been out for us for a long time. It's got to take him minutes in his legs to get back to where he was. We're, we're the same with um, with Ox with uh, Curtis Jones to a point. Curtis had one start in his preferred position, I think, in a year and a half. You know, it, it's just not enough. And this this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I'm dreading it because I think it's going to be one of those games that's going to be, it's not going to be, although the intensity will make it a good game to watch. The intensity that the game is played at will make it a really interesting watch because the one thing that you can guarantee with any club side, he'll force you to play at a, at, a, at an intensity. And it's up to it's up, going to be up to Spurs to match it. But then it's up to us to move the ball fast. And it's the one thing, especially in first half of games, when we've been going behind more often than not, we haven't moved the ball quickly enough. And that doesn't matter who's playing. That's fear. That's a have what you hold attitude. Please don't score. You know, please don't concede. That that mental block is still there in the league games. And until we get over that, we're going to be struggling to get into. I mean, I think we have enough quality to get into the top, top four, provided we have a bit of luck. With injuries for the second half, then people come back from the World Cup healthy. But it's a massive, it's going to be a massive test of this squad. You're right in what you're saying about the, I know I'm rambling on, but you're right in what you were saying about the um, the age profile. We don't have a central midfielder aged between 23 and 20, 28. Um, we future proofed the squad really well. Ibu Kanate coming in, Trent's 23. Gomez is 24, you know, Simicast 25, Jota's 25, Diaz 22, Carvalho's 19, Harvey's 20, you know, but that middle gap is where our owners have uh, dropped the ball. They weren't ruthless enough when we were flying high. They they should have turned over players. And you were right about Klopp with the intensity that he plays at. There's only so much the legs of players can give you. Fabinho is the prime example. He is not anywhere near the player that he was two, three, two years ago. You know, where he was like a proper lighthouse. He saw everything. He was just straight in there, gangly legs, wrapping around people, never let people rest. This season is like the brain wants to do it. The body gets there five, you know, a split second late and smoking. That's, and you see that with footballers when they get to a certain age. The mind knows what it wants to do and the body's like, I'll do that. I'll, I'll be there now in a minute. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and 
Trust me, the older you get, the uh, longer that time frame goes. Just ask James Milner. <laughs> uh, just a, sorry, one more quick question, yeah. Kev, because uh, only because you touched on it there. Um, and you can make it as long or short as you mm-hmm. like. But um, do you think, and it's a tough question to ask now, I'm just asking it as hypothetically, but do you think not finishing top four outside the top four would be a benefit in terms of giving the owners of Liverpool a kick up the arse to say, now we need to spend and we need to bring in the likes of Jude Bellingham, the Declan Rice, somebody like that in the midfield that can, you know, transform that that midfield and actually spend that that money. I get where you're coming from. Uh, that it's a thought process out there. I don't. Um the reason being these they've they've been in, around Liverpool now for a long time. It's not like they're newbie owners. You know, they were they, you could get away with saying something like that when we were eighth trying to get into the top four. Yeah. You know, if we just missed out, yeah, you go big because this is the jump you need to make. We know the level that's required. We know what we know what it's like to have to chase, you know, Asterix FC down with ninety-seven points. And the difference between the clubs has always been Pep could turn around and bring on a forty-five million centre half when things are, you know, if he wants to see a game out, and that that was his fourth or fifth choice. You know, we can't do that. We, the, F, the owners have always said you can spend what you are. And you go to a Swiss Ramble on Twitter is probably one of the best accounts out there for football financials. Anytime the accounts for Liverpool are released, the um, the figures are there for everyone to see. They don't take a dividend from the club. They don't take a penny out of the club. Every single thing is reinvested back in. Now, people talk about the uh, stadium and all of that. Yeah, they've redeveloped Anfield. They've built a new training centre. All of that paid for with loans from FSG interest-free rather than having to go to banks, but paid back from income. Will it qualify, not qualifying for the Champions League be a problem? No, for one year. We could probably sustain it for one year. I mean, the thing is, the deal for Mo Salah, the, ex- the contract extension for Mo Salah alone, is, if you look at it as a package, is in and around the £80 million mark. And that's money walking straight out the door, never to be seen by anyone in football ever again. That's the thing with higher wages. You know, you 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 our wage bill, I think, is the third third highest in the league. But our transfer net spend is always around the twenty between twenty and forty million pound mark. Because you know, the wage bill is high, but we sell well, you know, and people don't give clubs credit when they sell players for a big fee and it's like Chelsea are really good at it they're Chelsea were really good at it for a long time selling players getting good fees and reinvesting it back into the squad we're not in, on that level of selling good players but we're okay at it um but I don't think we could sustain the wage bill that we have outside of the Champions League because I think I don't know what Spurs figures are but I know for Liverpool qualifying Winning five out of six and qualifying, I think we made something like 83 million euro so far out of the Champions League this this uh, season so far. Now, if you're in the Europa League or the Conference League, those figures are minuscule in comparison. Almost to a case where some of them that you're as well off just not bothering. You're as well off not being in it because it costs you money to be in it. 
you know, between player bonuses and what have you, it's just uh, a joke. So we could probably sustain it for one year. Is it a kick out the arse they need? No, because I'm full sure that Klopp and his team will be telling them, I need XYZ player to compete at this level. Otherwise, this is your expectations. And he doesn't sign a, a contract extension twice. Bearing in mind, he knows what the owner's policies are if he's not comfortable with being able to tell them that. I don't think we get Jude Bellingham. Uh, I don't think... I think if Jude Bellingham decides he wants to come to England, I think we're really in with a good chance. I think he screams Real Madrid. He absolutely no. screams Real Madrid for the pure and simple reason. You've got Camavinga, you've got Chiumeni, you've got Modric about to go. You get you bring in a Jude Bellingham, replace him with Modric. That's Real Madrid's midfield knocked off with Valverde for the next decade. And that's just the way they run, you know. <clears throat> and Real Madrid are the biggest club in the world. If Real Madrid come calling, they don't call twice. So if they come calling for him, I'd be amazed if he doesn't go. I don't think he moves for money. That's one thing I will say. I don't think he moves for money. He goes to Dortmund to play, not for money. He goes to Dortmund for to develop his career. And I think more and more people have followed that lead. And I hope more and more young players do. But yeah, I don't think he goes for money, but he screams Real Madrid. Absolutely screams Real Madrid. Declan Rice, I think, screams Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I've never, uh, I've never thought about that uh, Duke Bellingham analogy, but I definitely agree with it, and I think that you're right. You know, he seems like a sensible lad with a sensible head on his shoulders. Mm. You know, looking at the move that he made at a young age to go to to Dortmund um, to gain football experience, to you know, excel in his career, um, you know, in a setting that he thought wasn't possible um, in the UK. So, no, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I want to ask the Spurs boys quickly. Uh, quick question. It's just a quick one-word answer. Um, but we'll start with you, Winnie. Do you take a draw right now? Yes. Wes? 100%. <laughs> there we go. That's what I said last night as well. When, yeah, uh, he was there. The yeah. I said, let's turn all the lights off. Let's just shut the doors. Let's not even play the game and let's just Save walk the away with money. the point. <laughs> yeah, let's walk exactly. away with the point because, uh, Winnie, it's, um, you know, as much as Kev has said about Liverpool, you know, and, and what's happening at Liverpool, it's still our record against Liverpool, you know, bar the big win we had against them at, at Wembley. That was literally going to say, yeah. And, and, and that, that scene, I spoke to my friend who's a Liverpool fan and he said that was the turning point um, for Liverpool was was yeah. was that Wembley game when I think I think they looked at it and gone this this can't happen we need we need to do something and that kind of transformed Liverpool from that moment it was like the stepping stone um, yeah so our record against Liverpool home and away is terrible and that's why just going into the game tomorrow I'm thinking please just don't lose and like what Kev said we need to match them it's up to us to match their intensity uh, and. Do I think we can do it? I don't know. If we go by recent performances, I don't think we can. And I, I fear uh, that we, we we may have another Arsenal, you know, Man United game on our hands. I hope I hope I'm wrong, but um, I think, like I say, our record speaks for itself. And, and like Wes said, it, it screams Doctor Tottenham. I hate. I absolutely hate Doctor Tottenham, but it screams Doctor Tottenham, unfortunately. But yeah, give me a draw right now. I I will take it straight away. Perfect. And, and Wes, let's talk about some injuries because Kev did touch on it as well, you know, with, with how many injuries that, that Liverpool have. But Spurs have a lot of key 
injuries at the moment, don't they? You know, I'll run through some of them for those that don't know. You know, Son, um, thank God, has had some has successful surgery on. I can't remember how many fractures there was. was it four fractures. Yeah, it was four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's had oh. surgery, and they said that they are hopeful that he will be able to make it back to the World Cup. So, you know, I'm sure he'll have to wear a mask or something like that. But hopefully, he doesn't get battered too much in the in the World <laughs> Cup, and he can come back and uh, and kick on a little bit stronger in the second half of the season. But you know, not only to mention that Romero looks like he's out. Um, Richarlison's still out. Uh, Kulisevsky, they says that they say that he is fit, but that doesn't mean anything. I I, I saw the video clip <coughs> running the other week, uh, half yeah. time, and to me, didn't look comfortable. That didn't look like a comfortable run to me. Um, and I also saw celebrations against Sporting Lisbon, where he's kind of on one knee, kind of standing up, kind of on one knee. Um, you know, and not to mention that Bentoncourt is a doubt. Lucas Mora, they said that the pain was even more intense. Was it yesterday or the day before? Like we talked about it last night on, on day trippers, but that leaves Harry Kane up top. Do you see, and can put this to me, I'm not going to take all the credit for these questions, but um, <laughs> do you see an Ivan Perisic, Ryan Sessegnon left hand side? Christ. Um, we got where, any, where got, Perisic got anyone, plays higher up. Got anyone in the 23s we can promote, <laughs> by the way? Um, I mean, obviously, that's why you have an academy. Yeah, these injuries. Um, although, having said that, Richarlison was pretty much a ball boy for the uh, Sporting Lisbon game. So, I mean, he didn't look unfit to me, put it that way. But I do, I do think this game is a little bit too soon for him. I know what you mean with regards to Kulu. Obviously, he was doing his pitch runs and a little bit like that before the Bournemouth game. I think that is just fitness testing. Um, listen, if Kulisevsky is fit and if there is any chance that he can play, I think he plays. Um, I I would really like to see Brian Hill given a go um, because actually I think when he has come onto the pitch, he's looked relatively decent. And for a young player, you know, obviously he was, what, 21 when he came over here? Like, you've got to look at it. Like, how many 21-year-olds in the world would be able to move to a new country um, you know, different language, driving on the other side of the road, you know, the food is completely different. Like all of these human things that we just kind of take for granted because they're footballers, but they are still human at the end of the day. So I wouldn't mind to see Brian Hill. I think he offers something different as well within our front, front line. Um, I mean, I'd love to have seen Richarlison just do Richarlison things against Liverpool um, because he would have absolutely loved nothing more than to just be his usual self, I think, against Liverpool um, as well. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think this game is too soon for him. Cootie is going to be a huge miss. Um, but I don't know if the Bournemouth game was the final straw for somebody like Davinson Sanchez because he was absolutely terrible. Um, and yeah, I, th- I don't know if we'll see majority of the team that played in the week against Marseille. Obviously, it might have to be a couple of changes up top. Um, I think Ki Sung Young, uh, the ex-Swansea midfielder, um, had said that I think Sonny does want to play with a mask and he wants to be fit literally for the next available game that he can. Um, whether that is tomorrow, whether that is in the Cup or Leeds, I don't know. But again, it shows that Sonny is definitely committed to our cause um, and that he wants to play. So that is a positive in itself. But 
yeah, obviously injuries are sort of part and parcel of, of football and we just have to kind of get on with it, I think, as, as best as we can. Yeah, definitely. And, and Winnie, I'll come back to you uh, before we kind of go around the table with some score predictions as we're hitting the kind of hour mark. But um, I want to hear from you, Winnie, then to Wes, kind of like what your thoughts on the Spurs lineup could be against Liverpool. I knew this was um, coming. You know, me personally, do you know what? I'll let you all off the hook. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go first. Um, in terms of kind of in defence, I, I don't see it much different from the Marseille game. I would probably go for, I think what will happen is it will be, you know, Emerson Royale on the right, Dyer, right centre-back, Longley, Davis, Perisic. Uh, but he could go with Sessegnon for pace. The only benefit that I can see in having Sessegnon at left wing back and Perisic at left wing is that it gives the ability for both players to double up on the like of most mo- likes of Mo Salah. Um, if he plays wide right, it gives him the ability to both be able to double up in that defensive position. Um, ben Davis can also step across um, and defend on that side should we need it. But the, the concerning side is more the right-hand side, which is why I probably see the likes of Eric Dyer playing there. Um, midfield, if Brendan Core is fit, you know, I would... I don't know whether we'll go for a two or three. If we go for a three, I think it'll be Skip, Hoiberg and Bentecourt. Uh If we go for a two, probably just Bentecourt and Hoiberg. And then I would like to see... Uh, I would like to see, actually... Do you know what I'd like to see? Perisic, Kane, Hill, and see how that gets on. But more than likely, I think they'll start with Lucas, even if he gets half an hour, 45 minutes, because I think he trusts him more than Brian Hill, the experience. But, Winnie, quickly to you. So, I think... So I will keep it brief. This is the first time where I actually, I've not got a clue. I've not got a clue what he's going to do. Like normally you can kind of predict what, what kind of formation we play, who, you know, personnel, but I have no idea, mate. So what I would like to see is like the, the exact same defense as you said, I wouldn't put Emerson Royale in there, but he will be in there. Um, I think we would go, uh, I'd like to see the two in midfield and then, uh, and then three up top. So, um, I'd like to see Perisic at left wing, like you said, the exact same front three as you said. I'd love to see Perisic, Kane, and Hill. Won't happen at all. Like you say, uh, having having um, Perisic as left wing would be good for to double up on Mo Salah again. Exactly what you said was spot on. I think we will go um, three in midfield, and I think it will be uh, probably. I, I, I think if Bentancur's Bentancur's fit, I think that the, the 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 message was that he was going to be fit. So I think it'll be Bentancur, Hoybier, and Basuma. Uh, and I think he'll go uh, Kane and Lucas up top as a two, and that's what he'll go for. So, I mean, I, I, it's not—it's far from what I'd go for, but I think that's what he'll go for: the three midfield and then Kane and Lucas up top. Wes, um, you're the tactician. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. Like, I'm going to go, go with what I want um, yeah. to begin with. So, yeah, obviously Hugo will be in there. I think Dyer, Longley, and Davis as a back three. Um, I would really like to see Matt Doherty play because I've had enough of Emerson Royale. Um, yeah. I would love us to have Hoiberg and Bentoncourt in midfield because I don't think having a three in there works for us when we've tried it previously. Um, I think Sessegnon left wing back. Um, and then, yeah, I think Perisic, Kane, Lucas up top. And I like the fact that, again, we've mentioned on that left-hand side with Sessegnon and Perisic, they could actually quite easily and quite comfortably switch over. I think there was times in that Marseille game, especially from goal kicks, I believe it was Lucas Moura was dropping in almost as like right wing back and Sessegnon pushed on. Um, I think if we had that sort of structure almost, 
on that left-hand side, I think that would work really, really well because I think if one does get caught slightly higher up the pitch, you, you can at least back the other person to sort of cover them um, a little bit more. But I think as we, as we all know, Emerson Royale, who can't defend, who can't attack, but he is our wing-back, um, as the song was going at Bournemouth after he uh, cleared one out the ground. Um, yeah, he's good. He's going to start. He's definitely got something on Conte 100% because either that or Doherty and Spence must be absolutely horrific, like genuinely dropping clangers every single day in training um, because he's starting ahead of them. Um, but yeah, I, I think we have to try and go with a two in midfield. Um, because I think when we've had a three in there, it just doesn't work. But again, it wouldn't shock me if he went pretty much with uh, with Winnie's lineup. I would say, um, or even like a three-five-two with Basuma, Hoiberg, and Bentoncourt, and then Kane and Lucas um, up top. Yeah, and let's not even talk about Emerson Royale's no-look pass <clears throat> when we needed the goal against Sporting. Put it that way. Kev, kind of give us a thought on how you think Liverpool might line up. Yeah, it, ours is pretty pretty straightforward. I think Allison Allison and go Trent right back, Canate, Virgil, and Robertson. Midfield with Fabinho, Henderson, and Thiago. And up front, I hope we go with this is Darwin on the left, uh, Bobby in the false nine, and Salah on the right. Now, when you when I was saying to you last night about uh, your left hand side, it's not so much to double up on Mo Salah, it's even Perisic is a technically brilliant footballer. He's got a great brain. He gets out to Trent. He stops Trent at source. He doesn't allow him to get his head up and whip balls in because Darwin will be banging in from the far post. And that's where more the danger is than Mo. Spurs have always done well against Salah containing him on the left-hand side. That five-back system, especially if you've got someone who plays left wing back, whose strong foot is their right foot. Salah, Salah's right foot is for standing on, you know, it's, but, you know, stop him, stop him checking back onto his left. He's been a one hit wonder for the last five years, you know, so he's very good at it, but he can be got at. And, <coughs> but having someone like Perisic who can get out to Trent and stop that uh, ball coming in from wide from him is one thing. On our left, if Darwin plays, the agent of chaos, he's he just attracts everything. Everything around him is just something happens. And Klopp, I think, will probably go with Curtis Jones because he done nothing wrong. He was good, but Darwin offers you that X factor. And I think if you're if you've got Emerson Royal or Matt Doherty, I don't care who your wing back is, to be honest. If you if if you got Lucas Moore ahead of him as well, Robertson will drag him all over the place, and Darwin will just create havoc. Whoever is playing at fullback, he lo- he can go either way. This is the thing: he's strong on his right foot, but he can definitely go on his left. He spent a fair bit of time at Benfica on the wing, so it's not un- unusual for him. And Bobby, in that false nine, creating. If you play with two in central midfield. Bobby dropping in to create that four, that box, with Thiago, Henderson, Fabinho, and Bobby. Someone from the back three will have to come out and and track him. If they don't, then you know it's going to be a different type of game. But if they do, it frees up space. It's 
it, tactically, these two managers are elite. They are so high level. That's that's why the games between Conte and Klopp are really. I mean, I watched the Napoli game the other night, and you realized twenty. I didn't watch the Spurs game because it was on at the same time. But you realized when you're watching these type of games with these top end managers, you're watching elite level football. You're watching elite tactical tactical games play out, and it is like a bit of a chess match. But if we concede first, we're in trouble. If we score first and draw you out into a game, anything could happen. But I see where you're coming from with your lineups about going forward. But at the back, Conte's shape is just so difficult to get through. It, and it always has been. It doesn't matter where he manages. Once he has time in the training ground to work on his shape, they're a nightmare to play against. So it, it's going to be a fascinating game. It's going to be a tactical game that I don't think it'll be end to end but if you like that type of football this is the game this is the game of the week without a shadow of a doubt yeah I don't really like the idea of Everson Royale against anyone let alone against Darwin Nunes to be honest with you <laughs> just bully him left right and yeah. centre only but uh... yeah, Darwin is one of these players he's deceivingly quick yeah. he's, he, he, for someone who's six foot two he is rapid and he gives someone a yard well he He'd done it the other night against Napoli, I think, and he just st stood the full back up and just went by him as if he was standing still in the space of, like, five yards. He was gone and whipped the ball across for Salah and should have, you know, it was just cut out on the line, you know, by the centre-back. That's the kind of pace he has. And once you have pace, that's a leveller for a lot of other things that are in his game that need to improve. Pace is, pace is key, especially for Klopp. Yeah, definitely. But Luke, Emerson, Roy Emerson Royale got bullied by Kiefer Moore on Saturday, so yeah, he's got absolutely no chance at this weekend, does he? Kiefer Moore is a unit, though, in fairness, isn't he? He's a yeah, big... And, and, I know, but, it, but both him and Sanchez got royally, pardon the pun, bullied. <laughs> Abs it was horrific. Like they And Dominic Solanke, who's not exactly the biggest either. But Dom is you. He's Dom not is like... He's yeah, but Solanke's not like an absolute powerhouse. He, yeah, he really. ain't that. He's stocky, but he, he shouldn't be getting bullied by by those two. If you no, if no, you not not any... at the top end of the Premier League. You shouldn't. No, absolutely not. But yeah, that was. I think we cheered when Emerson Royale got taken off. That's how bad he was. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, look, I love Matt Doherty. Um, I've, I look, I'm, I live in Ireland. I'm from Ireland, but and Matt Doherty will give all for whoever he plays for. He's got a heart. That'll go, keep going, like. But his body is getting to that stage now where he's, you know, he he never was blessed with pace, but he was all, he always had a decent tactical brain, you know, of defending. He was always able to defend, and it was it was brilliant for him because the system suited him. He's a great he had a great engine getting up and down the line, but I thought that engine is just you know he could do with an oil change to be honest, you know. <laughs> Definitely right. Let's go around the table before we finish up and uh, go score predictions. So we'll go Winnie, Wes, uh, Kev. So Winnie, I'm going to go for. It's going to be two two. Ooh, Desmond's going go for. I mean, realistically, I mean, I, I, I don't know who, who's going to score first. But with the two teams who Middle can ball. see first every week. Who's, who scores first this week? I don't, it could be a nil-nil. You know what I mean? No, no one, everyone's too scared to score first. But no, I don't know. I think 2-2. Two, two, I think, like you say, it'll be an entertaining game. Um, they always are between Spurs and Liverpool. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Wes? Desmond as well. Um, if I look back at, obviously, the game at home last season where we had basically our, like, reserve midfield and sort of the way we played them, it was a, it was a really, really good game last season. Obviously, we had, like, it, we felt it was the second coming of, like, Winks and Dombele and Delhi, and then, you know, all three of them aren't there anymore. So, um, but, yeah, no, I think 2-2 two, two, um, tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I think might be a bit hopeful on that one. Yeah, I went for 1-1 one, one last night on day trippers. And uh, Kev? Yeah, I, I went for 2-1. Uh, stick with 2-1 win for Liverpool. Um, I just think having Ibu Kanate back is is massive. Um, you know, I think he's been a huge miss this season. I love Joel Matip. I really rate Joe Gomez. I think if Joe Gomez is your fourth choice centre-back, you're, you're, you're set up for a while. You're OK. Yeah. But Ibu Kanate is... Um, a ball playing centre back, and the one good thing as well he brings us is the ability to carry the ball through the lines. He, he channels his inner Joel Matip and goes on these like <laughs> wonders, and I love that because whoever's playing up front, you got to track him, you because he's just capable of doing a stupid thing and passing it into someone and doing a one-two and getting in. So I think he's key. I think him on Kane is key. Fabinho is key for us, but I think we've. We know now we're at the stage of the season where it's boomer bust. It's we we can't afford to drop any more points, and I think the only danger for us is I think we could lose it trying to win it. Because one thing I give Spurs massive credit for, they go and they keep going. It's non-stop. The amount of late goals you get in that's we love a late goal. You know, a Riga a Rigi ninety-six minute winner against Everton is a thing that will just live forever, but. Having the ability and the mental strength to keep going is um, a lot of sides don't have it. So I think that's the danger for us. If we, at 2-1, we could try to keep going or at 1-1, we could try to win it and we end up losing it. You know, it, it, But that's where we are at this stage at the minute. I get you guys, you know, a draw suits, suits you guys absolutely fine. It's no good to us now. Yeah. I can't see us scoring anything bar... Uh... I think what suits what suits Liverpool tomorrow is you know the, the injuries we have. They know if they can contain Harry Kane, we probably don't do anything tomorrow. Um, and I think that's 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 you because you know normally if, if you can contain Harry Kane, you know you've got Son to Son. worry about or Kulusevski. Yeah. Tomorrow it literally is you keep Son you keep Kane quiet, and I think I think that's 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 game one because a lot of what we do does go obviously obviously because of you know who he is and, and he is, how yeah. good he is. Everything, especially when it's just him, it just goes through him. So, but the other thing you have as well is the ability from set pieces. Perisic's delivery from set pieces yeah. is excellent, and yeah. Spurs are physically a big side now. You know, Liverpool at the minute, yeah, we've got height in the side, but Spurs are a big side, and yeah. from set pieces, anything could happen. And look, it doesn't matter if it's a thirty-five yard banger or if it's like a three-yard knock-in from a header from a scruffy goal. A goal yeah. is a goal. It all counts at one at the end of the season when you look back at it. You're doing your yeah, season yeah. review. Remember when we beat Liverpool one 0 It was like, yeah, you don't remember the scruffy goal. You look at the three points and the one 0 and you're happy days. Of course, so I've never understood the snobbery around. Oh, it's, it's, you might get a set piece. It, set pieces are brilliant. There's nothing yeah. better than a set piece goal because it totally demoralizes the the players you're playing against as well. And what a plus for the coaching staff when it, when they go right, you know and Kane is Kane is one of those that he's capable of anything. And he's not quick, 
but he's quick enough. And if he gets in, and he always, his movement is really good. And you don't know whether to stick or twist with him because he's so good at dropping deep that our biggest problem because of the high line we play is the late runner. Yeah. And he's really, Kane, this is why Son was lethal against us. Kane was brilliant at dropping into that space to find the late run. And, you know, the second man runs are always an Achilles heel for us. And Spurs have the players to be able to, especially, I look at Lucas Mora as well. Doesn't get the credit he deserves. A great finisher when he when he's one on one, and he'll know exactly. He'll want to put one over on Allison and remind Chiche why you know why are you not looking at me kind of thing. So there's a lot of one on one. Even Benincourt and Nunes, they'll be going to the World Cup in a few in a, in a while together. Like so, there's a lot of battles within the game as well. It's a fascinating game. It really is. Yeah, and luckily we have a set piece coach that has over three thousand different routines. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, only time will tell. Uh, game is tomorrow, so uh, you know. Let us know in the comments after the video. Let us know Twitter, your score predictions, thoughts on the game, and everything like that. Um, but we'll be back next week, as we always are, every Saturday morning at eleven a.m. I want to say thanks to Kev and Wes for joining in. So Kev. Um, I know that you guys on day trippers have uh, some really good calls that you guys are um, are promoting yeah. and looking at at the moment. So if you don't mind, kind of. Oh I look, it's yeah, it's one thing that with the channel that we do. We've a long time ago we decided we're going to use the uh, platform that we're lucky enough to have to raise money for people who need need help, and we've helped people along the way. Um, the latest one we're doing is for a girl named Lydia who's got endometriosis um the problem she has at the minute is she has it in every organ in her body and it's constant pain constant 24 7 pain so on our social medias that there is our, our at lfc day trippers on on twitter and lfc day trippers on youtube in any of the uh pinned tweets or in the uh show descriptions is a link to lydia if you can support in any way great but it costs absolutely nothing to share you know share it into socials share it into whatsapp groups let people read it and let people make their own decisions we know times are hard at the minute but we are she was on 3600 euro yesterday the target is 5000 for her to get the surgery that she needs and the sooner we can get there we can move on to the next person who needs help yeah, amazing, amazing course. Yeah. Uh, so we'll definitely share it on our socials as well. Appreciate so it, uh, as we say, you know, if uh, we know times are hard for everyone across the UK and the world, but, uh, you know, if you can't donate, then at least share it around. And maybe there is somebody that can donate something, you know, exactly. no matter how small, it makes a difference. Uh, Wes, how can everyone find you? Um, yeah, on Twitter at Wes010, um, usually just tweeting about Moussa Dembele, which was probably now going to turn into Rodrigo Bentoncourt, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, and then on Instagram at Wes032, usually at a football ground somewhere, watching Tottenham, um, losing my head and celebrating. I was actually on match of the day on Saturday, believe it or not, um, for the <laughs> oh, winner. Yeah, I saw you, yeah. Um, kind of ran down um, to get involved with the limbs down towards the bottom. <laughs> and then that's why I was moaning at Benton Core earlier for going the other side. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but that's sort of where I do my thing. Um, I run a football coaching business as well within the Milton Keynes area. Um, Delhi Alley Country, as I call it. Um, so kickoff football academy, um, so kofamk.com on uh, in the website, uh, kofamk on Instagram, um, and kickoff football academy on Facebook, and kofamk on TikTok, um, as well. 
amazing. Yeah, make sure you uh, you go and uh, support Wes as well because he used to be a regular on this channel. Unfortunately, Saturday mornings don't work with his busy schedule, but uh, it was good yeah. to see you back on Wes. So really do appreciate it. And, Not a problem. Uh, Winnie, how can everyone find you? Uh, yeah, Winnie1991. Um, all you'll see is just ramblings. Normally ramblings about how, how shit we are, but... Um, <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully that will change. And you know, like I say, this is new. This is new, positive, not pessimistic. Uh, Winnie now, so maybe my tweets will change as well. We'll see. Perfect. And uh, you can catch Winnie pretty much every week on uh, Part Lane Podcast. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, Dave will be back next week. Um, yeah, you can follow me if you like at Luke underscore Park Lane Podcast. But more importantly, go follow these guys. Uh, get involved in the day trip. It's not always all about Liverpool. You know, last night they do uh, football roundup as well. So um, you know, yeah, talk about all the got some matches. really good random chats as well. Some yeah, great. Yeah, really... If you want to find out who would win in a fight between a kangaroo and what was it, a kangaroo? Gab said he could beat a kangaroo, and Keith <laughs> said he could beat a giraffe, and who could do it first? Yeah, random stuff, man. I tell you, some great stuff. But... There's always great content, not just Liverpool stuff, and we love exactly. We love fans from other channels to get involved. The chat is always respectful and it's usually good discussions. And it's not ranty, shouty crap. We don't do, we're not into that. Exactly. And you, you also do things, boxing, UFC, yeah. those kind of things as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. LFC women chat as well. Oh, God, yeah. Um, is on there. So pretty much, is it show every week? Yeah. Show every night, 10 p.m. every, every yeah, night. Every night sorry. Um, yeah, pretty much. It's, be, there's always content. There's always stuff every night. Um but yeah, give the channel a subscribe. Get involved in the chat. That's the most important thing for us. You know, throw comments in because that's what chat, the chat and the chat after pods, especially. I love fan TV. I don't care whose it is. The chat generates the content, not the people who are on the screen. The people who are in the chat generate the conversations. And the more people that are involved, the more people that hit like, the more people that get involved in the chat, that's to the benefit of everybody because it widens the discussions. Definitely. And, uh, you know, also make sure you subscribe to our channel as well. Obviously, Park Lane Podcast on uh, YouTube, Park Lane Pod on Instagram, Twitter. And uh, we're now live on all um, podcast platforms as well. So whether you're Apple Music, uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, all the rest of it. Uh, the show will be up kind of in the next half an hour after the stream ends. So just want to thank all my guests for joining in today. And uh, want to thank you, Winnie. And I also thank myself. But uh, more importantly, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next time. And, Take care, uh, guys. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.